When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. I'm your co-host, the former voice on your AM radio dial, wrestling fan for over 20 years, figure collector, and I've got cats. I need this podcast. I am Troy, and your other co-host for the most is a coffee enthusiast, the man who frequently scratches that figure itch, and he's the WWE walking wrestling encyclopedia of this podcast. He is the anvil to my hitman. He's Greg. What's up, man? What up? You get relegated to Anvil. Hey, former Oakland Raider, I win. Oh, I forgot he played for the Raiders. That's right. Well, the Anvil is unfortunately no longer with us. But uh, I don't know, man. Is it like me and my dad always like had a soft spot for for him? I guess it was mostly his run with Brett <laughs> that was remembered fondly by both of us. But I don't know. I have a Jax figure of him. I don't know if I told you. I have the very rare Mattel elite figure of him. Ah, nice. I wanted that one so bad. Perks of being in the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Patreon. Right. We are remembering Jim the Anvil Neidhart in a positive way today. This is In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede. This is, in my opinion, I mean, I haven't seen every single In Your House event, but in my opinion, so far, this has been the best In Your House I've ever seen. 
outside of the NXT one, yes. Yeah, well, I'm not counting that one. I mean, I realize it is it's canon, pal. But yeah, besides that one, this took place in 1997. You and I were big fans of the year 1997. We we kind of talked about it last week, where we think it's like possibly the best year for both companies, or one of the best years for both companies, WCW and WWF. Yeah. Lots of I watched this one live, by the way, so I remember it perfectly. <laughs> Nice. So we'll get more into why, but obviously it's uh, uh, we'll give the final grade at the end. But yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is this is a big event. I've been wanting to cover it for a while, but I forgot that it happened in July. And when I was asking you, it's like, well, I want to do the the Flair Steamboat trilogy, but I want to put some different stuff between them. What do you want to cover? And you mentioned ECW Heat Wave '99, which we did two weeks ago, and then this week we're doing uh, Canadian Stampede. And when you mentioned that, I went. Yes, I forgot about it. I want to watch it. So I watched it. I enjoyed it. I, I watched it all. Usually I watch these. I break them up into period time periods like throughout the day or a couple days or whatever. But this one I sat in one session. I watched it all the way through. Yeah, and it same. was great. It was fantastic. Uh, real quick before we dive into the news and notes, I do want to mention if you are not following us on Twitter or Instagram, get your ass into gear. I am me and Greg both are most active on Twitter. Follow us at main event underscore marks. We do have a Facebook page now, so go, go check that out. Facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. And then you can email us at main event marks pod at gmail.com. If you are weird and don't have social media, but still feel like reaching out. Because everybody well, has rip email. a line off from, uh, Matt Cardona, dude, Twitter's free. There's no reason not to have it. It's free. And also, go subscribe to us on YouTube. Search for us. We we have to have 100 subscribers to to get that custom URL. So please subscribe and tell your friends. We have exclusive content on there where we – if you like our discussions about figures and collecting and where to find stuff, we post some of it on social media, but we have full-length, like, short, easy-to-digest videos talking about it on social media we're working on more content about either figure collecting, memorabilia collecting, games, maybe, and maybe we'll do some of your favorite retro gaming. Just search for Main Event Marks podcast or just Main Event Marks on YouTube. We should be one of the first things that pop up. They say if you love something, set it free. At LifeLock, we say. What a load of bull hockey. All that saving up and paying off debt, and now some identity thief wants to set it free? Crazy talk. LifeLock helps monitor your info and alerts you to potential identity threats. If you become a victim, we'll help fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code LifeLock. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. You ready to dive into some news and notes of this time, Greg? Yeah. Oh, this is going to take me back. Yeah. Now, especially these first few stories, these first three things are all connected. Both the WWF and WCW held house shows in Los Angeles on the same night, 
This was in July of 97, by the way. Uh, WCW claimed a total attendance of 10,948, which is by far the best WCW has ever drawn in California. But there's a question on if the show was even profitable. WCW spent tons of money on advertising. They threw in all of the production bells and whistles of a regular Nitro with pyro and stage setup and everything. They even called it Saturday Night Nitro, by the way. And even Hulk Hogan Clever. worked the yeah. And even Hulk Hogan worked the show, which of course cost it cost extra money because he was not obligated to work house shows. Well, that's uh, Hollywood but, Hogan, though. I mean, he should have worked it for free. Right. It was in Hollywood. Uh, plus, the venue they ran, uh, which was the Great Western Forum, is one of the most expensive arenas in the entire country to run. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's a crap hole now. So, Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you if you knew anything about it. I've never heard of the Great Western Forum ever That's where the uh, Clippers – uh, and the Lakers used to play before they got okay. Staples Center. Oh, and, I thought. And now I think uh, the Clippers are trying to get another stadium in the same city. I don't know if that would mean uh, I was here that went down or what. Uh, yeah, well. it's a crap hole now, though. So That's I've heard. Right. To be fair, so I've heard. I've never been there, but I've heard. I've seen pictures, well, too. It doesn't look that good. Didn't you say the Cow Palace is kind of a dump now? Oh, God, yeah. yeah it literally people... smells like horse crap, so there you go. <laughs> It's called the Cow Palace, Greg. <laughs> okay. Cow crap. M dung, cow dung, whatever. Sorry. The WWF, by the way, drew 9,468 or er, 69 fans to that their show. Uh, and despite drawing slightly less than WCW without all the added production and promotional costs, WWF is the clear money winner here. Check this out. They had a bikini contest that apparently went on for over 20 minutes with all the women stripping <laughs> gee i wonder why they drew so much oh uh, well that had to be in east la but anyway um the crowd east la <laughs> the crowd began throwing money quote which Sonny was glad to collect i'm gonna leave the jokes alone i i don't even i don't even like, kind of disbelieve that <laughs> nope Sable apparently wore the least and got the biggest pop to win. Again, I don't disbelieve that. I guarantee, and I, I had seen, I cut out some of the commentary, whatever, because I'm getting this from the Wrestling Observer. Uncle Dave was notoriously, <laughs> eat me, but Dave, Uncle Dave was notoriously sexist and just hateful towards Sable. I don't know if she turned him down or what. But he would say things in here like, well, she was showing off her new boob job and and blah, blah, blah. And just like really putting her down like he was nasty to Sable uh, crap that he would get in trouble for in today's era. And rightfully so. Uh, didn't he get in trouble for saying that stuff about the Iconics? Oh, yeah, he well, he got in trouble for like he he got uh, grilled by everybody and their mother, except for the nephews, of course. For for insinuate well, he didn't even insinuate. He flat out said that Peyton Royce has put on weight since NXT. Like, ah, uh, bad show. But it's just like, why constantly picking on this woman? Like, what the hell did she do to you? Why I'm do you have it your, out for her? I'm going with your theory that she turned him down. <laughs> yep, same here. By the way, on the same night, Mike Tyson faced Evander Holyfield in a fight 
where Tyson bit Holyfield's ear. <laughs> so this was a big night. And that would get him a job later with WWE, so whatever. Right? I know. WWE just won the night on the whole. I mean, maybe not attendance-wise, but, I mean, if you think about it, WCW drew 10,948. WWF drew 9,469. So they were just about 1,500 less. That's not too bad. And like they pointed out, with all the extra bells and whistles WCW threw at it, they think about the uh, venues too. So right, yeah, that's true. Here's one for you. Uh, you weren't watching UFC in the late '90s, were you? I started watching in like 2000, I think. So yeah. Okay. Well, this is something that actually comes to play in the main event of this show. UFC has banned the term "no holds barred," and they will no longer use it in advertising. And the announcers can no longer say it. The company is facing attempts on all sides to shut them down and, quote, no holds barred, doesn't sound good when you're trying to get an athletic commission to allow your show on pay-per-view carrier or pay-per-view carriers to carry it. Instead, the plan is for events to be referenced to as mixed martial arts from here on out. Ah, that won't stick. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say funny or hypocritical, but it's like, they air hardcore porn on pay-per-view, but this was the limit. I just yeah, I well, need to point that out. I just if you, if you want to watch people doing sex acts, then that's perfectly fine. You can pay for that and nudity and whatever else. But if you want to see a man punch another man in the face and and bloody them up, now that's too far. Right. <laughs> oh my <sighs> gosh, just um. And I say it comes into play in the main event because I don't know if you heard this from Jim Ross, but when the first time Ken Shamrock's tagged in in the main event, he says he's from the world of no holds barred fighting. Yeah. Um, so they used to I, call him from the uh, ultimate fighting world. I think he did say no holds barred ultimate fighting in a cage. I thought when, once I read this story, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, wow, okay. As UFC is trying to move away from that, Jim Ross. Well, it's only about it. it's only about a year or a couple of years away from being legitimized at this point. Yeah, uh, we'll have to talk more about UFC, kind of dive into that one day. Maybe when we get to a, a show closer to you know when UFC really takes off. But we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. More WCW man. I don't know if you remember Kurt Hennig debuted on Nitro around this time. In quote, I do remember this was a big <laughs> night. Well, they say he debuted, quote, in the weakest way possible, simply walking out during the NWO beatdown at the end of the show. I think he was walking out and they faded to black. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a fart in church. It's, it's funny, though, because I believe if I remember correctly, I think I was just talking about this with somebody that night. The, the big surprise is here. And I believe Raven debuted as well. Exactly. Yes. That was and my next that, part. <laughs> That was – yeah, I thought that was the surprise, and then Henning came out, and so I don't know which one was the surprise. I'm going to say it was Henning because, yeah. let's be honest, fewer people knew who Raven was. Right. But it was a pretty significant night. I remember this vividly because, like I said, I couldn't figure out which one was the surprise. Johnny Polo? Scotty Flamingo? What's he doing looking like Kurt Cobain? <laughs> uh, but, yes, Raven also debuted on Nitro in the crowd and at the end when Henning walked out. Raven jumped the barricade as well, and they both just sort of stared down the NWO as the show went off the air. So, Man, watching that back, I'm like, 
how the hell did you not do anything with Raven? That makes no sense to me. Like, they clearly are positioning him to be something. What gets me I was... I am baffled in, at that. Well, what got me was 1997, Eric Bischoff was in firm control of, like, everything. It's so, like, this was his stronghold time. And he says openly on all his podcasts, he's like, look, I like Scott Levy. I don't get Raven. And I never have. I didn't see anything in him. Then why the hell him. did you sign him? I know. Like, what did – because he wanted a job? Was he cheap? I don't – like, you needed cannon fodder? I, I don't get it. Look, and he uh, was cannon not, fodder for the most part. Not to take a shot at ECW, but anything that they offered him is probably significantly more. Oh, well, yeah, at least he could assure. So, I mean, that right there, when you say they need money, yeah, clearly. I mean, well, no, I mean, like, was he – like, was he cheap? Is that why Bischoff signed him? So, yeah, like, probably, but again, cheap is has a bit different meaning when you're talking about a guy going from ECW. That's a crap right. company. I mean, let's be real, though. Yeah, right. Well, they freed up some cap room here, Greg, because they released a crap ton of wrestlers, including Michael Wall Street, Craig Pittman, both Nasty Boys, because you can't release just one, Jim Duggan, yeah, Joe, Go- <laughs> Joe Gomez, Ice Train, oh no, Nancy Sullivan, The Renegade, Lanny Poffo, Colonel Robert Parker, again, oh no, Jerry Lynn, David Taylor, Pat Tanaka, and the French Canadians. Okay, a lot of those people would end up somewhere else. I know the French Canadians went back to being the Quebecers. I know we all know what happened to Jerry Lynn. I'm pretty sure Joe Gomez and the Renegade come back to WCW. We know Knobs comes back to WCW. The only time I remember the Renegade coming back was when he posed as the Ultimate Warrior in the War Games in 98. Well, he was also just a jobber. He was like the Renegade, but he didn't have the face paint on. He was just – he would yeah. be a jobber. He'd literally be in the ring, ready to be beat. So yeah. that's what he came back as. So he, did, he didn't come back as the Renegade we all know and love. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> you're awfully liberal with that. Uh Look, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I just even even when I was a young fan, it was like a mark for all the good guys. I didn't like the Renegade. That was like the first face I ever like didn't like. Honestly, I just didn't. Yeah, care. he. I knew right away that's not the Ultimate Warrior, so I don't give a damn about him. That's that was my right. Well, I mean, two things from two different podcasts. First of all, Arn Anderson was asked by somebody. Would you rather have a 30-minute Iron Man match with the Renegade or a 30-minute Iron Man match with RoboCop from <laughs> – was that Capital Combat? Yeah. Yeah, and there was a long pause, and then Arn said, I think I could get a good match out of the RoboCop. Holy crap. And he just – he was like, look, not to speak ill of him, but he was awful. And he hated working with him. And you could see why. You and I watched those pay-per-views from 95 and just, holy God. I'm going to drop mean, another plug for the Major Wrestling Bros real quick. They actually, in their uh, exclusive Patreon group, have a watch-along of Art Anderson and Renegade when Renegade wins the title. And oh, hell. They're kind of doing over-the-top commentary. And now I – I mean, I, I guess I saw it, but now I really believe it was clearly – uh, them being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, it was like working with a cement mixer. My God. 
Yeah. And freaking that's why I sent you that text one day. I was like, uh, here, you know, here, let's have a moment of silence in, uh, you know, in retrospect for Arn Anderson and Mr. Wonderful Paul Ordorf having to put the renegade over <laughs> repeatedly. Let's just uh, make this clear, by the way, we're not crapping on the deceased. OK, we're talking about no, the wrestling yeah. skills. I don't want people to think that, but no wrestling I mean, skills. I, I'm sure the man was a perfectly good guy. I don't I don't I don't know. But yeah, I've never heard anybody say he was a terrible person ever. Yeah, I, I heard he was a good guy for, for all intents and purposes. It just he was not a wrestler. He was a bodybuilder. That was that was about it. And then so he literally the other, was the ultimate warrior. OK, yeah, well, except he was a nice guy. <laughs> Well, the, okay, fair. the other reference from a podcast was Conrad called Bischoff out on it, and he was like, come on. It was clearly, you know, brother wanted to work with the Ultimate Warrior. You couldn't get him, so you got him, right? And uh, Bischoff was like, you know it. <laughs> so he flat out admitted it. Hogan wanted Warrior. They couldn't get Warrior, so they got this guy to cosplay as the Warrior. So- so was Warrior going to come in as his partner then? Because that's what Renegade was, was his partner. He, yeah, I guess he, or at least he just, in his stable, whatever, but. Yeah, I guess so. They, he wanted to do a team up thing with him and they couldn't get him. And well, Good Bishop Lord, did man. say. 13 year old me would have been creaming my pants for that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. Actually, it happened in 95, so it would have been 11, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Bischoff, Bischoff said after the, he was like, well, I mean, Hogan did want it, but he was like, this is more Jimmy Hart really wanted this. I don't know why. How would Jimmy Hart have pitched that? Come here, baby. Let me tell you something, baby. We're going to bring in the ultimate warrior. He's going to team up with Hogan, baby. It's, it's going to be great. We're going to sell out all arenas all over the world, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh, I've gotten some feedback on your Jimmy Hart and Stu Hart <laughs> impressions, by the way, and. Oh, you'll the, hear the Stu Hart, Hart later. One, the Stu Hart one is is gotten like the most rave reviews. Yeah, well, you're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out Stu later on, but we'll get to that. One more thing from WCW: Buff Bagwell will be starring in a movie. You know, I'm using the word "starring," you know, literally. <laughs> but he's he's gonna be starring in a movie called <laughs> Return Return to Savage Beach. Which I think is a missed opportunity for Macho Man, but whatever. Uh, I, I, I don't think he lost any sleep over that quote missed opportunity. Right. I just the moment you said Buff Bag will star, I literally thought what you said. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I oh guess. Oh my God! Sorry. But I guess Sorry. Return to Savage Beach is a sequel to another low budget movie he was in. So, Something about Gigolos? Uh, or calf implants, one of the two. Here's uh, some ECW stuff, man, real quick. Jim Cornette debuted an ECW around this time in an angle similar to the Jerry Lawler angle where he came in to crap on it. The lights went out, and when they came back on, Cornette was in the ring, and he began hitting people with a tennis racket. Also during the Cornette angle, Jerry Lawler hit Tommy Dreamer in the bowels with a kendo stick for real. Dreamer was legitimately injured and couldn't work the next night's show, and is said to be in tons of pain. Yeah, they had to uh, take him to drain wa- his nuts. Yeah, I was going to say, if you watch the Rise and Fall of ECW, amazing documentary, by the way, he mentions Hell that. Yeah. They're literally, like, draining his testicles. Like, oh, my God, I'm getting, like, pain chills just thinking about it. Right. That's so bad. Yeah, because Cornette said, he said he's, he doesn't wear his glasses because he was afraid they'd get broke. 
and he doesn't have contact. So he said he's blind as a bat without his glasses, and he's just running around whacking people with a racket. And he said Tommy's selling on the ground, or he thought he was oh, selling he, he on the ground. He wasn't selling crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said he went over and smacked him with a racket, and he's like, well, he didn't sell it. So I smacked him again, and I'm looking at him, and I look at his face. I'm like, oh, you're hurt. <laughs> it's like, mm, yeah. And I don't want to assume Cord- anything, but I, I think that. Jerry Lawler took great pride in that, probably. I don't know. But I don't know. Crappy talks about ECW. Yeah. Well, Cornette said he was like, look, Lawler had some of the best punches, like working punches ever. And he said, but just like all of his stuff looked great. And he said nine out of ten of them were amazing and wouldn't break an egg. But that tenth one is a live round. (laughs) Wow. More out of ECW, both members of the tag team, the Pitbulls, Gary Wolf and Anthony Durante, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, they were arrested by federal authorities last week on three counts of steroid and marijuana trafficking. That tracks. Again, uh, not to speak ill make, of the dead. I don't want to make jokes, but yeah. Durante this is funny how is marijuana dead, was a federal way. crime in 97, apparently. Right? I know. I didn't like I was like, man. I have never, ever touched the stuff, but I've always been like, ah, whatever. It's just a freaking herb, man. Like, yeah, I don't think I, federally have federal indictments on their damn record for weed. No. Yeah. Some people are still in prison for life. I know for that. Yeah. Blows my mind. I, but we're getting off into a into a tangent here. Glenn Jacobs is no longer the using the diesel gimmick in USWA. And he has been working as a gimmick named Doomsday, but wearing the old Lord Humongous mask. For those that don't know Lord Humongous, he wore like a Jason mask. And he almost looked like the lost member of Demolition, I think. That was just – that was one of them gimmicks where – maybe you can help me think of one. Maybe like Doink or whatever, where they just keep throwing big dudes into the outfit. Yeah, I mean, teenager that was suicide too, so. Ah, oh, yeah, suicide. That's another one. Yep. Lord Humongous was just like a, a southern trope. And uh, at one point, it was played by Sid Vicious. So I guess Glenn Jacobs gets. Yeah. <laughs> so Glenn Jacobs gets his time in there before he becomes the devil's favorite libertarian. Speaking I of. I think all that. I think that's one example of really paying your dues for something big to happen. Oh, God. Right. Have you well, ever from seen that him crap as a, to Hall of Famer? So there you go. Well, yeah. Have you have you seen him as the Christmas creature? I think I've seen the pics. Oh, it's it's. I watched a match with him. It's Why? awful because I wanted to see it. Like I I I had to see it. Just it's. Uh, I don't know. It's it's why people like the people that watch Doctor Pimple Popper. Like you know, I had to see it, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. But I kind of want to watch it. It's like going by a car crash. I mean, you just can't help but look. Right. Speaking of Glenn Jacobs, on Raw, they finally had Paul Bearer reveal Undertaker's big secret about his baby brother, Kane. We'll talk more about that show. God, they hammered that home in the WWE title match, too. Good Lord. Yeah, they did. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you. 
ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. All right, man, that's the news and notes. There's some more stuff to talk about during the show, but we'll get into that. Let's dive into In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede, man. Took place July 6th, 1997 from the Canadian Airlines Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The attendance was 12,151. Pay-per-view buy rate was 0.59, which is pretty good for an in-your-house pay-per-view, which I don't seriously did great buys, right? Uh, usually, but this was a really hot moment, or hot period, too. So It, uh, it definitely was. Bret Hart was... I don't think Bret Hart was hotter than, I mean, maybe when he was a baby face around WrestleMania 9, 10, he was like pretty, pretty hot then. But his run, I think, is like just amazing. Everybody remembers this run of Bret Hart and, and the Hart Foundation as a whole. And the thing was, like, not to diminish Owen, Brian Pillman, uh, British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart, but I think Brett was so freaking hot at this time that by osmosis, they became huge stars, like bigger oh, stars, yeah. I should say. Easily. This, this was great. And Stone Cold had, I mean, he, he was, he was not super deep into the Stone Cold run. I think he was still getting, he, he was a, he had just gotten his sea legs to him and he'd really sunk into the Stone Cold character. Like we'll, we'll talk about that more. But he was he was freaking white hot around this time, too, and he was about to just explode. They set up in the promo package before the show, they set up the Bizarro World feel for Calgary before the event even starts. They're basically telling everybody at home, hey, uh, if you're in America, we know you like Austin and Shamrock and all these guys. But these this crowd's going to boo them and they're going to cheer the bad guys. Just a heads up. I I thought that was a nice touch to to the opening promo. Uh, I did too, but it's it's kind of funny how they still cheer some of the good guys too. So they do, yeah. So it's not a complete bizarre world. And I think the I can't remember if this is the promo package. I know there's one later on in the show, but Todd Pettengill does voiceovers for it. We uh, we come in Vince McMahon. Jim Ross, or good old JR, as he's announced, and uh, Jerry the King Lawler are on commentary for this one on a three-man booth. All of them are dressed like ranchers, except JR, who's, oddly enough, <laughs> JR looks like the least Southern person out of the group. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. You remember Back to the Future 3, where Marty dresses up in, like, some Western, like, some flashy, like, rhinestone cowboy crap to go to the Old West? And he looks ridiculous. The one right before he takes off, like the horrible colored ones. Yes. Yeah, yeah I do. That, I thought of that looking at King and McMahon sitting next to Jim Ross, who's in a suit <laughs> with a black cowboy hat. 
Jerry Lawler is in a comedically big cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. You noticed that? Yeah. I I I noticed it covering his face most of the night. Like he was trying to hide something. It did. I was like, I didn't know it was him at first until they said it. Like until he started talking, and I was like, Well, the way oh, they introduced him too. Um, the way they introduced him too. Like uh, on commentary with us tonight, it, it's like I thought it was gonna be like Michael Hayes or something or Doc yeah. Hendricks. You're right. Yeah. Here's here's something I had to ask you. Is was it just me? And my equipment, or was the audio, like, over the speakers throughout the entire night, just kind of the drizzling craps? I don't remember the audio being bad, but I was watching it, and then uh, I was watching with my friend Ramon, and we're both like, wow, the camera sucks back then. Like, it was blurry and stuff, and you can, I mean, obviously, we're in the days of HD, but, like, man, it looked like crap, but I didn't notice any audio issues. Well, the audio issues I noticed, because when Triple H first came out, I was like, is he coming out to no music at all? And then you start to faintly hear it halfway through his entrance. I want to say I did catch that. Semi-remember yeah. that. It did that with a few theme songs. I was like, their speakers, and, and sometimes Finkel was, um, was like, drown out, or like, I don't know, it sounded like they needed to turn it up. And I realized the crowd was loud a lot, but this was like, when the crowd wasn't so loud, you still couldn't hear them so i was like what is with your speaker system in the saddle dome dude yeah speaking of triple h the first match of the night honey there's only four matches on the card by the way the first match of the night hunter hearst helmsley with china versus mankind this match went for 13 minutes 14 seconds this match stems from helmsley using china to defeat mankind and become the 1997 king of the ring china smashed the scepter over mankind's back and helmsley didn't smash one, he smashed two crowns over mankind. Because uh, fun fact, he, he did that because he did not want to wear the crown. Yes, I was about to say, <laughs> he, he, he wanted to let everybody and their brother know, I am not wearing this thing. Which, I don't know, I think it would have fit him with his gimmick at the time. I realize he was trying well, to transition a little bit, but... Uh, I was going to say, that one of my notes for this is, in watching this match... Clearly, the change for Triple H was coming, or was just like here, because he was no longer the the stuck up blue blood. He's still doing the the mannerisms, the bowing, and the uh, he comes out to that uh, that, like Beethoven song or Mozart song, whatever. I can't remember. When I was looking back, when I was a kid, I thought it was joyful, joyful. (laughs) Now I know it's not, but (laughs) oh, it's not. No, I thought it was, but Uh oh. That's news to me. But yeah, the, he's coming out to that and he's doing his bowing and whatever. But he's but when he cuts his promos, he's talking like Paul Levesque in real life. He's not talking like the stuck up blue blood that would talk with a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> you know, like the, the stereotypical accent for, for the for uh, yeah. rich people. And he's not acting like, you know, he's not like putting the hand behind his back, acting proper and stuck up and whatever anymore. This was the Triple H. If you remember WWF Warzone, the video game for PlayStation, this, I think, is the Triple H we get in that game. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily the outfit, but he's still doing the bowing taunt and crap like that. I, uh, this is when I started becoming a fan of his. I was never, honestly, a fan of Triple H until he became the game. I like, well, I can't say, 
fan completely. I, I liked some of the stuff he did, but I never would have considered myself a fan per se. I don't know. But, I feel like he's like the one of the first. I think Austin was, but he was like one of the first heels I actually liked. I don't remember why specifically. One of mine was probably Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Well, yeah, but yeah, he was supposed to. I mean, no, you weren't supposed to. But like, they were the cool heels, right? And then Triple H and Shawn Michaels became cool heels and whatever. But yeah, during this match, of course, we get some China interference in this one. Uh, she hip tosses Mankind's leg into the steel steps at one point. So Hunter works the leg through most of the match. Uh, the match ends when they brawl into the crowd and both get counted out. Normally, when a match ends with basically a non-finish, I don't like it very much. I kind of that kind of flattens it for me. But I gave this one three stars. So did Uncle Dave. What do you give it? I gave it three because I okay. Let me put it like this. At first, when I saw it, I thought it was like, eh, one, maybe two. But then you realize it's leading into stuff that you'll keep seeing throughout the night. And it's right. adding to a bigger overall picture. So points for that. Um, but I did say it was I thought it was a little bit boring. I said, clearly, changes from Triple H was coming. I thought that uh, the highlight of the match for me was China beating the hell out of Mankind all match. Yeah, she would, uh, she would sock him in the head, hip yeah. toss him. She really got involved in Hunter's matches back then. Yeah, and but for like where it was for where it was clearly going though, I had to give extra points for extra point for that. So, well, and think about this is one of their first encounters. I mean, obviously King of the Ring as well. That was an encounter by chance, I believe. If you think about it, though, because the brackets. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So this is like one of their like the evolution beginning of them not to you know i i just realized what word i used but uh i mean think about all Fun. the it's think about all the historic encounters down the road between these two i mean it's kind of right crazy the, too because it would be completely different characters when they you know, like triple h would yeah. literally face all three phases of foley within a two-month span starting here yeah well uh there's there's the the two matches that come to mind when I think of these two, you'll have to tell me what event this was at because I forget the cage match where they were in. They had the big black cage, or maybe that's the, the that's the next month actually. That's the SummerSlam. Oh, okay. Well, that's what this is building to. Yeah, SummerSlam '97, Triple H and and um, and Mankind and in, in in big was it blue or did they change it black at that point? I think it was blue. I don't think it changed black until. Uh, I want to say St. Valentine's Day Massacre. At least that's okay. the first one I remember. Right, and I think that was the one and only time they used Big Black, if that's what you want to call it. That might have uh, been they, the last one ever, too, I think. Yeah, they retired the crap out of that cage. Because like, they said they retired that cage after Vince finally worked in it and was like, wow, this thing does suck. And they're like, yeah, we've been telling you for like a decade this thing sucks. <laughs> Same thing with they said the rings got a lot softer once Vince started having to bump in them. But yeah, so that's the one I'm thinking of. And then obviously, like way down the road, I'm thinking of Triple H and Mick Foley or Cactus Jack, I guess, at uh, Royal Rumble the 2000 or 99. 2000. Yeah, that was okay. freaking one epic. Triple, yeah, one of Triple H's best matches ever. And didn't they didn't they face each other in a cell? Uh yeah, right after that, the month after. Yeah, so those are those are the three matches that come to mind when I think of these two. This is a forgotten one. 
Obviously, we'll uh, uh, honestly, one of the first matches that come to my mind is uh, Cactus Jack's debut in uh, Madison Square Garden. Also, these two. Man, Mick Foley got to live out so many freaking games. Yeah, it's hard for him to walk, and he's got some concussion issues that went on. But man, he lived a lot, he lived out a lot of dreams for himself. Next, I don't up, think he uh, ever dreamt of having three characters. By the way, that was just extra. That's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, great. That was just gravy. And I was shocked, by the way, that Vince McMahon let Jim Ross reference Cactus Jack in this match. Well, I think it's because they know he's coming. Yeah, probably. That's now that you mention it, because he he hits the the elbow off the apron that used to be his finisher, and then he pops up and does bang bang. And Jim Ross is like, "Oh, reference to his Cactus Jack days," and I was like, "Whoa!" Usually that's a big no no. But we go to the back. We finally see, or, or well, first we get a promo package. It's uh, it's footage of the Hart Foundation attending uh, just a crap ton of events throughout Calgary all week doing press and meet and greets and all this stuff and parades. We then see a bunch of the American WWF superstars, including your favorite, Mr. Soon-to-be Midian. He is there. Hell yeah! Uh, he, he was uh, uh, Phineas. Phineas I. Godwin. Pig. That was That was great. clever. Oink, oink. <laughs> the hell. Keck Slazinger. But he was in, in, <laughs> with a bunch of WWF rest, uh, superstars who did it. Superstars, a, pal. They're entertainers. Yeah. WWF superstars. God dang it. They were given a key to the city, and they had a tug of war with Calgary police. Uh, they did a little event there. But then we go to the back with Doc Hendricks. He interviews the Hart Foundation in their locker room. Then all of a sudden, Steve Austin bursts in, and he's held back by... I recognize it. Obviously, Pat Patterson's right there, uh, but he's also being held back by Mike Sharp. Did you see that? I did not. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he's I did back. notice Pat Patterson because I made a Canadian joke. Because oh, I was like, he's the one to kill his fellow Canadians. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, Pat Patterson was front and his face was right there, you could see. But Mike Sharp was on the other side of him, pushing him back. So the, the old jobber from the 80s, right? Yes. Yep. Iron Mike Sharp. He passed uh, away, didn't he? Did oh yeah, he recently yeah. he recently passed. That yeah, he was, recently, yeah. he was also one of the loudest men in the ring. If you ever watch any of his matches, he was he would shout and yell. I think he got nothing on Mongo, but yeah, he well he this was a precursor to Chris Jericho too. <laughs> but yeah, they they pull Austin back from the fight, get him out of the locker room, and Brett says that. He doesn't want to take out Austin five on one. He wants to take him out five on five, all fair and square in the ring. He would not have said that in America on an episode oh, of my no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right I love how all of a sudden they got to be the face for Canada. That's that's brilliant. I love yeah. that. Yeah, they said Brett pitched that and Vince were like at first Vince didn't know if that would work. And Brett's like, trust me, I can do it. You know, it'll it'll work because he said, anytime we go to Canada, I'll be a baby face. They'll, they'll love me. He said, but in America, uh, I'll talk crap on them. And he's like, and Canadians won't care that I'm healing on America. They don't care about America. And it's like, hey, it freaking worked. And then I like how um, they asked, you know, Conrad asked Eric Bischoff if he considered doing anything like that in WCW. And he was like, nah, he's like, I, who cares about Canada versus America? That's not even a thing. It's like. Well, let me see if you ever went to Canada when you think about it. Like, hardly ever. 
Right. I can't think of one card off the top of my head where they were in Canada. I think Brett and and Chris Benoit at Mayhem was in Canada. And I know that New Blood Rising, I believe, was in Canada. Yeah, because, that's the yeah. Canadian pool match with Lance Storm. Yeah, that's why I remembered it, actually. And they brought I... out Jacques Rougeau and <laughs> yeah. uh, Brett. Oh, there you go. He did go back to WCW eventually. Yes, there you go. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, they... I, I think it's funny, by the way, that I really believe this. I believe that Bret Hart and George St. Pierre might hold more respect in Canada than even their prime minister. So that's why I'm sure Brett knew. Like, oh, they'll do what I tell them. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Well, well, yeah, Brett, Brett could be their prime minister tomorrow and George St. Pierre be his running mate. Yeah, right. So this next match, man, uh, we get a little Japanese flavor here. It's, it's the great Sasuke versus Takamishinoku. The match went for 10 minutes exactly. This was a debut for both Taka and Sasuke. Before the match starts, Mankind and Helmsley fight back to ringside. They eventually brawl the backstage area, and the bell rings to start the match. This is where I bumped my rating up to three, by the way, for that last match. Because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't over, so you have to keep adding points on, I think. It's only fair. I mean, you know. And this isn't even the original match. This is the second segment where they brawl out in the crowd. Mankind busts Triple H open here. So there's there's more added to it. We get some juice, pal. Added value, as Bruce Pritchard would say. <laughs> this match, man, I, I took some commentary notes because I was so – I will say this top to bottom, even if the matches were – fine and they weren't amazing i was enthralled in a lot of this so i was listening to all the commentary like closely jr and king point out that neither man can speak much english and vince vince says in any language it's competition in the squared circle what does that even mean in any language it's wrestling (laughs) without saying wrestling i don't know Sure. I just he he had like as a kid, you don't really. I mean, some people are glaringly glaringly bad, but as a kid, I liked Vince and he was the voice of wrestling for me. But as an adult, I'm watching these shows back, just cringing at his commentary. Yeah, I don't know. Also, King makes. A I thought reference. I just remember why I liked him. Yeah. Well, King makes a reference to Tyson and Holyfield, who we talked about earlier, and he said he says, only stop the match if he bites his ear off. <laughs> like, what the F, man? Sasuke shocked me, by the way, because he kicks out of the Mishinoku driver, which JR puts over big. But, you know, Sasuke does no jobs. He's like the Japanese version of uh, Mil Mascaras, except he can actually work. I don't it doesn't know work for me, it. brother. Basically, yeah. Uh, Sasuke, I heard, turned down a lot of job offers because they wanted him to, to do the job. And he said, no, thanks. so he literally turned down job offers. Yes, literally, quite literally. Yes. He eventually beats Taka with a powerbomb, followed by a bridging tiger suplex into a pin. Uncle Dave just like fondled himself to this match and gave it four stars. I gave it three and a half. What say you? I, I gave it four as well. I love this match. I Pure was, wrestling match. I thought it was the best one yeah. on the card. I thought it was a really good light heavyweight division match. And and they even, you know, have the graphic to start out. Light heavyweight division match. Looking back at it, 
I remember watching them like, oh, okay, this is going to be their answer to the Cruiserweight division. And if yeah. you're going off of this, like, holy crap, it's going to be a really good competition. Of course, it would be doomed from the yeah. there on, but... <laughs> Yeah, because after shortly after this, it just becomes Brian Christopher and Taka every freaking night. Yeah, right. There's that. But yeah, I just I thought it was great. It felt like it was nonstop. Uh, I said it was explosive, it was, nonstop, and I was kind of shocked at the finish. Yeah, uh, considering Sasuke never did anything else in WWF. I mean, yeah, <laughs> this was, and they were trying to like Taka. Apparently, like, listening to Bruce Pritchard, Taka was like. You know, to them, that was like a get. You know, they were like, Holy well, crap, I we think they talk. traded, they traded, if I remember correctly, they traded two gold Scorpio to ECW for him. I, I remember like, yeah. Um, he like, I don't remember Taka being in ECW ever. I, I feel like he was at Bailey Legal huh. a couple months prior. I think he was, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Huh. With the rest of Kai and Tai, which I don't know their names. Yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah. Directly after this match, we go back to the never-ending brawl between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mankind. <laughs> it continues in the parking lot, and it finally gets broken up after a while. But, I mean, they did some cool stuff in the parking lot. I I was going to say, this part right here is when I bumped it up to three stars. Yeah, it was... I was still between two and three at this point, but yeah. Yeah, it was... I mean, this was a good parking lot brawl. It was short, sweet, to the point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like you and I talked about, there's more yet to come in uh, the future months. So, you know, stuff to, to set up for the future. Next up, though, it's explained that Ahmed Johnson was supposed to face The Undertaker tonight, but he was injured in a brawl on Raw is War, so he's been replaced by Vader. I'll tell you what, man, I forgot that Ahmed Johnson was in the Nation of Domination. Well, I mean, right after he comes back, they boot him out, so that's not surprising that you forgot. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems like he would be the perfect fit for that group, though. I mean, especially with his first name being Ahmed. <laughs> I think it was a doomed uh, turn from the start, honestly. What? They, Why is that? Because, like, he was, he was like a big face. Like, I feel like watching it back, he was major over. I don't understand the turn, but whatever. Yeah. And then he joins the nation and says he didn't get any opportunities because uh, of his skin color and all this stuff. And, I mean, it worked. Don't get me wrong, but like it didn't go anywhere. And then he gets hurt, comes back. They boot him out. And it's like, OK, he's a face again, just like that. And I feel like yeah, any cool. momentum he had was gone. Yeah, it's a little nutty. I, I don't. I don't fully understand. And even and I thought like maybe I was the only one, but I think you felt the same way, too. And like I'm seeing all these people on social media talk about him and they were like, man, his like I, I loved Ahmed Johnson. Like, I, you know, we hear all the stuff now about he wasn't a good worker. I mean, obviously, his promos were kind of crap. But I mean, like when his theme song hit, man, it made you like want to stand up, you know, like. Yeah, I was I, with you. I love that theme. I love this whole his whole way. I loved his uh, Pearl River Plunge. Yeah, I was a yes. fan of his so. Yeah, his Tiger Driver, the Pearl River Plunge, was great. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it, it didn't look like, you know, Masawa's where it looked like he was going to murder you. But it looked, I mean, it was it was good. And I, I don't know. He had energy to it. He had that intangible it. Yep. So I, I think it was just that he wasn't 
super safe in the ring for himself or others. I think that was the whole reason why he didn't get the the push to the moon that he should have. And oddly enough, when he came in, uh, Jr. explained this on his podcast that when he came into the WWF, trying to come up with a name for him, they had Bill Watts on payroll at the time, and he wanted. Oh well, what can go wrong there? <laughs> well, he wanted to call him Buck Johnson, Buck. and and they said we'll go with Johnson. But like he, we're not calling him Buck. <laughs> but hey, you know this this was only part one, man. He went on to have huge success as Big T in WCW. I want to slap you for that. Where he looked like he ate his former self. They were feuding over a freaking letter. They were, and that's coming up in a future episode. We got to talk about the feud over the letter T, Booker T, and Big T, in the Harlem Heat. Because, you know, Greg, suckers gots to know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Doc Hendricks is in the back. He interviews Paul Bearer and Vader. Well, he interviews Paul Bearer and Vader just kind of stands there flexing and going, uh, looking like he really has the crap. You know, a wise man once said, crap before your match or your match will be the craps. <laughs> anyway, I'm almost certain, by the way, this is the last big thing Vader does. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean, Greg? He would get hit in the head with a wrench later on, lose a mask versus mask match, and then refer to himself as a fat piece of crap. It's sad that you clean that up, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite Go watch part. It. My f- or don't. <laughs> my favorite part of that whole thing, by the way, is one, who cares if he loses his mask? Half the time he took it off mid-match anyway. All right. Second of all, my favorite part of that whole thing was Paul Bearer putting Vader's mask on and dancing around Vader's lifeless body doing the Vader sign. (laughs) (laughs) That was was good TV, man. Good stuff, Uh, pal. By the way, Paul Bearer was, like, slowly morphing from Paul Bearer into Percy Pringle here. (laughs) Did you notice that? I did, because he saw... I remember watching this and being baffled that his face wasn't that pale white. Like, yeah. I, I, it was like a shock to, like, 13-year-old me. What the hell? His face is not really that white? Yeah. I think, not- uh, and I remember Undertaker burning his face at, uh, I think it was Revenge of the Taker. Yeah. yeah. When he faced Mankind at WrestleMania, he burned him. I remember what? that. And I was, like, kind of, like, shocked. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know his makeup. Right. Well, and then his well, and his mustache is shaved off here, and his hair is almost blonde. Yeah. So he's. he's I that was more kind of like red, but yeah. It was a reddish. It was like a strawberry blonde kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul calls the Undertaker a murderer, which is going to be a theme for a while. You're a murderer. Good lord, they hammered that home, by the way. I know. And like the one time during the match, he just like looks over the at the camera and goes. Yep. <laughs> I love the stuff he was doing with the crowd. I remember. I don't remember what he said, but he was like all over the crowd too. And oh no, he dude, he was burning his paycheck at this event, man. This was like peak Paul Bearer. Uh, <laughs> but he calls Undertaker a murderer, and he says if Vader is going to whoop Taker like he did at the Royal Rumble, and in case you forgot what happened, what six months earlier, <laughs> just about. Apparently, Vader hit a Vader bomb on the Undertaker and pinned him. 
Did they have a one-on-one match? Like, wait, like what's the story here? Did I forget? At Royal Rumble, yeah. Okay. And then they both competed in the Royal Rumble after. Yeah. So that happened back in January. We are now in July. So what is it with The Undertaker having matches like six months to a year after the original angle took place? Because never forget. <laughs> I guess so. He came after Brock Lesnar. How many years after, you know, their original scuffle? A uh, year and a half, thing. I think. Yeah. Which we're getting to, by the way, because you and I were at. Yes, we were. Just got to plug that. He did. He did the same freaking thing to. Um, oh god, Triple H. And just like this is like a theme with him. But anyway, hey, too, when you think about it, because you know he came after him after he killed him. Too uh, soon. Uh, the Undertaker defended the WWF World Heavyweight Championship against Vader with Paul Bearer in his corner. This match went around twelve and a half minutes. The Undertaker had the concussion pyro in the corners at this time, which I forgot he was doing in 97. I didn't think he started that till 98. And by the way, I think uh, he only did it at pay-per-views. Bruce Pritchard shared a story about that. He said they stopped doing it because he said the pyro guy had one job, load up three corners, not the one with the stairs that Taker would walk up because you don't want it exploding in his face. Well, on multiple occasions, he loaded all four corners. And he said on the final time, like after like the millionth time this happened, Taker came to the back and said, never again. Take him out. Well, I feel like it would happen at Judgment Day 98. I'd have to watch. I forget. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Like he said, I'd have to go back and watch. And then he goes back to just raising his arms. Uh, Vader kicks one right between the uprights, right in front of the referee, by the way. Doesn't get disqualified. I, I made a note about that. Like, what is this, ECW rules now? Yeah. And JR is just like, oh, they're letting it go because it's a big match. Like, I hate when they do that crap. And and Bruce said he used to fight about that during the Attitude Era. And he's like, what the hell? And Pat's like, oh, who cares? We're making no disqualification. And he's like, so every match has no rules? Like, I... And he said that was a Vince Russo thing as well. He's like, bro, nobody cares. Nobody's going to pay attention to the rule book, bro. They barely even like wrestling, bro. If uh, if anybody's keeping count, that's three impressions I've done so far. So <laughs> there you go. But then the Undertaker gets him up for a tombstone. Vader reverses it, lands on his feet, and then falls flat on his back because he fumbled it. <sighs> but the Undertaker pays him back later because Vader goes for a Vader bomb. Taker gets up and he punches him right in the gonads. Again, right in front of the ref, and then choke slams him off the second rope. Not ever seeing this before, I thought that was it, but Vader kicked out. So Taker hits another choke slam. Oddly enough, for as big as Vader is, he got up for that choke slam. I had to make a note, by the way, about that, how he caught him for the tombstone. It was crazy. Yeah, well, yes, he finishes it off with a tombstone uh, for the win. Paul Bearer throws a tantrum and he just leaves Vader behind. I gave it three stars. Uncle Dave gave it three and one fourth stars, which I I hate the one fourth system. But what do you what do you say? Three as well. Yeah, I thought I mean, it was yeah. I thought it was a really good match. Really like okay, just I, good. Not really good, but good. Right. I don't. It didn't blow me away. It wasn't bad at all. I thought it was good, like you said. And I I will say. 
It was about 12 and a half minutes. If it went any longer, I probably would have got bored. I mean, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't yeah. think there was not, I didn't, I didn't think there was like one dull moment. I thought it was borderline. Right. But, yeah. And Paul Banger got involved. Like I said, he, he was earning his money at ringside. Go back and check this out. I thought he did some great work during this era. So I can't say it was my favorite Paul Bearer because I always lean on Paul Bearer that I knew, like, you know, pale face and, you know, black hair and going, oh, yes. But I did like this Paul Bearer. Or as he, would, as he would be affectionately known uh, multiple times as the fat man. By his own hand, by the way. Yeah. He referred to himself as the fat man multiple times. Ugh, man. But next up, man, we get a great promo package for the main event. Uh, and it's voiceovered by uh, Todd Pentengill. There you go. He still makes an in-your-house appearance, kind of. Doc Hendricks. Well, I'd him, be willing to bet this is the last one. Probably. I guarantee he was on his way out, uh, unfortunately. I love Todd. Uh, I, I grew up. I grew up watching him on Coliseum Home Videos, so... I marked when they brought him back for In Your House, uh, NXT In Your House. Yeah, that was great. I was so glad. Uh, unfortunately, he did not give away a house with Stephanie Wyan, but, you know, whatever. He teased it. <laughs> he did. <laughs> uh, Doc Hendricks is now in the back. He interviews the team of Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Goldust, and the LOD. The guys all get their time in, except for Austin, who just decides to storm off without a comment. Possibly the best promo guy in that entire group doesn't say a word. I did mark uh, a little bit. Oh, go ahead. I was like looking at the whole team, like, good lord, man, like so many. Like everybody's a Hall of Famer, like on both sides. If they're not in the Hall of Fame, they will be or should be one of the two. But it's crazy, right? Oh, I know. That's uh... like when is the last time you see a ten-man tag and everyone is like a actual legit good wrestler and a Hall of Famer, not just like okay. Like, I oh, feel like I all 10 of these guys were great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There wasn't a stinker in the bunch. There wasn't a guy in this match that had to be carried. <laughs> right. Say. Yeah. And I thought it was still cool. I mean, obviously, LOD was well past their prime at this time, but they they still had some. Oh, there's a tag title run coming up again, though. Yeah. And LOD 2000, who I have Jack's figures of, by the way. <laughs> but I still popped in 97 for Animal cutting his shouty promo and going, tell him, Hawk. Well, he didn't even say well. He just said, what a rush, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like, I only got one thing to say. What a rush. And I was like, cool. Short, sweet, to the point, and whatever. And uh, was it just me, or was Gold Dust just playing Dustin Rhodes in face paint? Yeah, pretty show? much, yeah. Which I was fine with, but, you know, whatever. That's what he's doing now in AEW. After that, we get the music group, The Farmer's Daughter, singing O Canada. And uh, then after that, they take time to recognize a Canadian poli- some Canadian politician who I didn't care about, and the Hart family, who is at ringside. Bruce, when I first saw the guy, I thought he was part of the Hart family. <laughs> I know, right? You know, there's like, a oh, okay. It's like the entire family and that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I laughed. It's like, what? By the way, Bruce Hart was front row here. He looked like he just came off the set of Top Gun. <laughs> yeah. Aviators and all, man. Hell yeah. Aviators, uh, aviator jacket, the whole nine yards. Hey, guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. 
blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Well, let's get into this, man. It's the main event, 10-man tag team match. It's what we're all here for, 24 and a half minutes. During Goldust's entrance, JR and Vince both mentioned that Marlena is, quote, at home being a mom tonight with little Dakota, who's sick. That's like, they just, like, hammered this home. I'm like, okay, cool for explaining why she's not there, but who cares, bro? Like, did you notice that? They kept going out. Oh, I, I did, yeah. She's super mom. And then Vince throws in some stupid corny thing. And when she's at the ring, she's a super corner person for, for gold dust. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> stupid. But when the Heart Foundation come out, man, the pop is deafening and it lasts forever. Brian Pillman is the first person out and he gets a humongous pop. And then Nightheart comes out. It's okay. He still gets a pretty big pop. I think Bulldog is the next out, and he gets pretty pretty large pop, and he comes out with Diana. And then Owen comes out. The crowd loses it. I, I've got to ask another thing about Owen. Which which theme do you like? This theme here, the, he was still using the Rocket theme. Oh, yeah, like that's, that's my favorite one, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they ever switched. That one was great. I I did not really care for his later theme. That he, I he I didn't up, either. Yeah. I didn't hate it, but I didn't care for it. Yeah, yeah, it didn't pop. And then on top of that, then they changed it again with him at the beginning. He's like, "Enough is enough, and it's time for a change." Like that was stupid. They also put other uh, lyrics in there too. Yeah, him saying stupid crap. I Turn know. your back on me, and <laughs> it was dumb. Uh, but they did that with a few themes around this time period. But Vince, by the way, here's where the impression comes in. Vince refers to Neidhart as that big, nasty rhino, which I I thought was hilarious because they said every time he would get fired or he had to go home or whatever, Neidhart, that is, pronouns, pal. Anytime Neidhart would go home or get sent home, Stu would call call Vince up and be like, yeah, that uh, the big rhino, he's uh, he's doing good. He's ready for another run, Vinny. And like every time and like Bruce and Bruce it worked. Said that. <laughs> yeah. And he said he said Vince always had a soft spot for for Stu. And he's like, all right, Stu, I'll bring him back. And well, what the hell did every... Stu think of who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least he's got a job. Yeah. <laughs> he always he and that the fact that Vince said it just like that leads me to believe that Bruce Pritchard is not exaggerating at all. He, yep. he, said call, he said he'd call up, hey, you got a spot for the rhino. He's uh, he's really been working hard. He's ready to come back. Yeah. I, even, I even pointed out when we were watching him. He called him the rhino. <laughs> I, I, know. I was like, that's awesome. 
But yeah, Brett comes out last, by the way, and he's cheered like a god. Like you just said, you know, I mean, he could run for prime minister tomorrow and win. I, I felt like it was uh, a bunch of Catholics seeing the Pope. You know, that's, that's really what it sounded like. It went crazy, dude. Seriously. Oh, I know. It's nuts. Stone Cold, by the way, easily and masterfully slipped back into his heel persona. And he had the crowd just eating out of the palm of his freaking hand. I mean, mm, don't get me wrong. He was using a lot of, you know, middle fingers to piss off the crowd. But at the same time, he's doing a lot of heel work during this match. I think there's so, even uh, a nut shot at some point, right? Uh, I think... Well, there's one from there's one from Shamrock. I know that for a fact because he did that to I want to say Owen, but it might have been somebody else. But either way, uh, yeah, Shamrock Shamrock nutshotted somebody. I know Stone Cold kept eye raking and and rubbing his knee brace into people's faces and crap like that. And there's something we'll get to later on. I guess it's par for the course here for the Road Warriors. But Bulldog hit the running power slam on Hawk. Goldust broke up the pinfall attempt, and then Hawk just no-sells it and, and calmly walks to the corner. <laughs> did you notice that? I did not. Yeah, he just kind of gets up, walks to the corner, stands there, adjusts his tights, like nothing's wrong. I'm like, you just <laughs> took the dude's finish. I remember watching it and then being like, wow, he ate the finish already. Like, this is gonna yeah. be like and I, can't, I didn't remember it like verbatim from when I first saw it. When I was 13, yeah. but I did remember like, wow, there's going to be a lot of finishes in this match with a lot of interference breaking up the three counts. That's what I was thinking about. So I must have missed right. that part. Oddly enough, there weren't a lot of finishes. There was there was like a couple, but they didn't they didn't overuse them, which I liked because that just seems to be a trope in, in, in multi-man matches now. Uh, but yeah, so, I mean, you got to think Hawks, you know, one, one of Hawks favorite spots was he would take a pile driver and stand right up and no sell it. So, I mean, this wasn't, you know, yeah, this wasn't different. Uh, Thinking but, back to it, by the way, watching this when I was a kid, I actually remember like, why the hell are the Canadians cheering the bad guys? Like yeah. even when I was a kid, it didn't resonate with me. Oh, they're literally the heroes here. I mean, I knew they were in Canada. I knew they were from Canada. I was like, they're the bad guys. Right. So, God dang it. Canada. Bizarro world. Also, I got to point out, there were more non-Canadians on this Canadian team than there were Canadians. You know, just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yep, they have two Americans, a Brit, and then two Canadians. <laughs> it's hilarious. I just now thought of that, yeah. But, yeah. Well, I, mean, I got to also point out, it wasn't Team Canada. It was the Heart Foundation. So right. that's the, the loophole. Yeah. yeah. They were all trained in Canada by Stu. Yeah. Or they married to Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. After LOD hits the Doomsday device on Owen, everyone hits the ring and it turns into a melee or melee, however you pronounce it. While Austin posts Owen's leg and he takes a chair to it, Owen's brother Bruce socks Austin from behind and the crowd. Allegedly, Bruce legitimately hit Austin and Austin turned around and went off on him with punches. Is that when he grabs Stu at first or is that later? No, it's, uh, I think that's I yeah. think that's later. Because I remember um, seeing that, like not to get ahead, was like, is he going to hit him? <laughs> oh, hell, he we'll, probably we'll killed him. Though. Owen had to be helped to the back by referees at this point. He acted like he couldn't walk after this. As payback, Brett posted Austin's knee and then nailed it with a fire extinguisher multiple times. That looked sick, by the way. Oh, I know. You could tell he was hitting him, like, in the brace. So, I mean, Brett... Still, though, man. Hell no. Oh, oh I know. But 
I mean, that just proves Brett is the excellence of execution, man. I mean, he didn't hurt Austin at all. So, or, I mean, it, he didn't injure him, I'll say. I don't know about hurting him, but he didn't injure him. <laughs> Austin then got help to the back as well. He kind of refused help, but they tried to. He later comes back limping. The finish comes when Austin pulls Bruce Smith and Keith Hart over the railing. I think that's when he grabbed Stu. He pulled them all, all three brothers, in uh, over the railing the ringside area and a fight breaks out. Austin then goes back into the ring. Owen's back by this point, by the way, he rolls him up with a schoolboy, grabs the tights. So he's still the heel, but the Canadians don't care. He gets the win for the heart foundation and the crowd blows the roof off the saddle dome. It was a deafening freaking pop when they counted three, dude. Yeah. Uh, I got to just be full front. I, I hated the, the way the match ended. This epic match well, should have had like a pull. huge, yeah. No, not just that. Just it was a schoolboy. It was like, dude, yeah. like if this match is so built up, it should have had like a like, defining defining finish. Like, hard shit of the sharpshooter or something. I just, uh, I, I don't know. I I look at it, I just logic. hate it. Right, I get that logic, and it's kind of like last week when we talked about the finish of the uh the the two out of three falls with the flare and steamboat. So yeah. I, I I I get that, but I don't know, man. I think they just wanted to win. Uncle Dave I, gave this. I threw a fit when I was a kid, by the way, when they lost. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this match one and one four star. Or, I'm sorry, four and one four stars. I wow, I was about five. to. What the hell? <laughs> I gave it five stars. I loved it. I don't know. I just I really loved it. And I think and I you know you've told me before that crowds crowd reaction literally does nothing for you in a match. But seriously, like the crowd reaction here. Pumped well, it up I, well to clarify, I said I, I don't judge a match because of what they think that's what i mean yeah i get like, that like if a crowd's quiet or something i'm not gonna be like oh this match sucks because the crowd's not into it so if if the crowd's flat that kind of takes me out of it a little bit emotionally but when the, when the crowd's red hot like this i will agree with that if i'm there yeah besides the finish I, I i can see where you're coming from i liked it though because it was a sneaky underhanded thing kept austin strong it's set up for owen austin and it, you know, the Canadians got the win, which everybody wanted in the crowd. And at the same time, they were still the bad guy cheaters, you know? Yeah. So I, th- I think it covered all the bases there. After the match, crap really hit the fan as the Americans and the Hart family all fill the ring and brawl until the cops break it up. The Hearts then celebrate in the ring until Austin runs back with a chair by himself. <laughs> And that was one of my favorite Owen. parts, by the way, because I forgot all about that. Yeah, so did I. I I don't I didn't remember that. But he runs back in by himself with a chair, and he goes after Owen, and all the Hart brothers jump him. And then the police arrest Austin and lock his uh, handcuff his hands behind his back, and he's taken away while he's flipping fans off behind his back. And McMahon McMahon says, "I can't believe he's making hand gestures." <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved that he came back out, but I just like uh-huh. I thought it would have been cool if Stu got a shot in there. Yeah, with the way Stu was moving, I don't know if Stu could even throw even yeah. half of a punch. So yeah, that's true. I, but I could be wrong, but I, probably not. Uh, I also just kept... realized I didn't tell you my rating. I thought it was a five oh. star too, based on everything. Now, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I think the match was probably about three stars, but yeah, I factor a lot of other stuff in, like yeah. how heated it was and 
just I felt like they could do no wrong here. It was, was the perfect storm, the perfect time. This was great. And it was one of this and SummerSlam were two were like the last two big pay-per-view hurrahs for Brett before he's on his way out at Survivor Series. Not yeah, he's got a right. couple of forgettable matches. I mean, I think he would go on to face the Patriot and then him and Bulldog in a flag match, I believe, or uh, something at Bad Blood. But they were not going to, they were, yeah. they had, a, but they were not going to overshadow the Hell in a Cell, which closed the show. So whatever. Right. But yeah. It was, I'll call that yeah. a throwaway for Brett. I remember it was him and, yeah, I think it was him and Bulldog versus Vader and Patriot. That's, yeah. Tag team flag match. Yeah. So this was. Getting into the aftermath. Oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Uh, just to close out here with, with, with this, uh, the Hart family helps Stu and Helen into the ring. The entire family celebrates together. It's, it's, it's huge. My favorite line of the night here was Lawler says, Stu and Helen are responsible for all of this. <laughs> I got to point true. out a couple of things. Number one, when they're getting Helen in there, I don't know if you caught it, but like, the way Lawler said it was almost like she was getting to getting in there to do a run in. Oh my God. Helen's going to get in there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Like she was like genuinely like, like saying it like she was running in to interfere in the match or something. My God. And then my oh, second God. thing, uh, I was watching this with a mutual friend, Ramon. We both noticed that Owen and Brett looked miserable in the celebration. If you go back and look at their faces in the middle, like in, not the whole time, but like Owen yeah. is kind of has this look on his face. Like, I can't believe what the hell are we doing? Why are we here? He just had that look like he didn't want to be there. I don't know if it was just us, but he looked miserable and Brett was in the corner and looking back at it, I can see he was probably not mad. He was probably like really happy, but he had that like shocked, happy look on his face. You know what I mean? Like you're really happy about something, but they yeah. just looked miserable. Like they, like it just came off like they were miserable about this whole celebration. I don't know why. Well, the shot that I remember that stuck out to me that I thought was will stick with me forever. They used it on uh, Dark Side of the Ring was he's holding Oge in one arm and he's waving the little Canadian flag. Yeah, right. He looks like a proud father. And I feel like that's when it picked up going on. Yeah. But before that, go if you go back and watch it, if you ever get time, just just go back and look at their reactions. Him and Brett specifically. Like, I don't know what it was. They just looked unhappy. Well, Brett had that resting, yeah. I don't know, mean face. I don't know what to call it for for a dude. But uh, the final, we could just say RBF, right? Sure. We yeah. We don't have to define it. Hey, <laughs> Google it. Throw it to your Google machine. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. But the final ratings of the show, man, Internet Movie Database rated a 7.6 out of 10, which I thought was pretty low. CageMatch.net gave it an 8.43 out of 10. And then I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I thought it was a B plus. I I thought maybe A minus. I said I thought that if the um, Mankind Triple H match would have had a better, not to go back on everything I said, but if it was an actual match, I think this might have been an A plus show. Yeah, I agree with that. 
IMDb always gives like really low ratings, and I don't know why. I feel like they do an aggregate of people's votes. Yeah, well, Cage Match does the same does the same thing, but I don't know. People are more. This is why I I make my own notes for these shows and don't look at theirs because I just I don't want to be biased by their notes. So I'll make my own notes and then go look at theirs. Like that's how I always do it. I never want to be ever biased. That's what I do with Uncle Dave's ratings too, because I don't want to see his and then be you know even subconsciously I'm like oh well it's this star but yeah man that wraps up in your house 16 Canadian speed we are we have one show for the month of July we are wrapping up the Steamboat Flare trilogy that's going to be on the 29th we're going to do NWA uh Russell War 89 Music City Showdown that's going to be a good one you uh definitely want to if you have never seen it and you want to hear us talk about it first, which you you should, uh, it's good stuff. I'm excited to watch the whole card, and there's a big surprise at the end, so stick around for that. Going into the month of August. Uh, man. really quick, I think it's a double turn. Now that I think about it. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, you're right, and you'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, heading into August, our schedule just laying it out real quick. August fifth. We already teased it. We're doing SummerSlam 2015 because you and I were there in New York City or Brooklyn, whatever. One of the boroughs. Yeah. It was the biggest SummerSlam ever at that point. It was four hours long. Amazing. And they had TakeOver Brooklyn won the night before. So it was a great, fun-filled week in New York that we'll talk about and an amazing weekend of wrestling. We stuck around for Raw and SmackDown the next couple nights. And then August 12th, we've got WCW. This will be a, f- a fun one just because it's of uh, the kind of show it is. August 12th, we got WCW at Road Wild 1999. This is the last time they were in Sturgis. So, yay. Yeah. That's, that's not all I can say about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess excited to watch this. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out how I feel. August 19th. Though this one I'm very excited about. It's we're going back to the Attitude Era, man. One year after this, SummerSlam 1998, headlined by Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Undertaker, New York again. So we're uh, sticking with the Attitude Era. Everybody loves hearing about that. So we'll dive into all that craziness. We're closing out the month. This show cannot be found on the WWE Network, but I did find a link so Greg and I can watch it and review it. It's a historic show in WCW history. August 26th, we'll cover Born to be Wired, 1997, from ECW. This is the one with Terry Funk and Sabu in a barbed wire ropes match. Because why not? Oh, yeah. We will, uh, we're going to see a lot of blood. But all right, man. Thank you for joining me today. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next week for WrestleWar 89. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Enjoy. Thanks. Order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work. 
but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 